You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey, here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And, dude, double drop time. Drop time's period. I've I've seen two double, or I've seen two drop times my entire life. And they, they've been pretty, I don't know, small, right? They're not... They're not North American whitetail cover worthy drop time bucks, right? Two-year-olds, three-year-olds, that's about it. And so it's rare, right? And and so if you were to ask me, hey, Dan, let's build you a your dream whitetail. It would probably be a typical eight with giant double drop tines, okay? And today... Our guest, Zach Johns out of Ohio, he actually shoots a mainframe 10 with kickers off the G2s and two giant double drop times. Uh, this is one of those bucks where I look at it and I go, I'm jealous. I want this buck. I want a buck like this on my wall someday. And they're rare. And, uh, you know, t- to be honest with you, I- I'm thinking about this now as I'm talking about it. And there's not a lot of non-typical type of action going on, on on the farms that I hunt. It's pretty typical. Your typical eights, your typical tens. There might be a, a split G2 or maybe a crab claw or something like this. But I've never had a deer uh, on trail camera that had a giant flyer coming out the back of his G2 or a huge drop time. I think it was the most non-typical buck I've ever had. Man, it must it must have been that 2018-2019 buck. Uh, he was 200 inches probably for about two years, and then uh, rumor has it he got poached. But I saw him on camera, and he had he had some splits going on on some of his on some of his points he's a mainframe 10 he had giant brow times uh one of them were split and then a g2 that was split and a g3 that was split but other than that that's that's the extent of my non-typical chasing uh history or whatever you want to say it so i love hearing stories about this uh about double drop time really gnarly non-typical bucks and that's what today's episode is about man we talk about the the core area why this piece of property was so special in regards to deer habitat and deer movement where he thought this buck was bedding uh, its pattern his history with it his buddy actually missed it the the year before and so it and then once he got a trail camera picture of it as you'll hear in today's episode it's all he thought about Right. And I just can't help but think of the shipwreck story again and go back to these big giant deer that once you get trail camera pictures of them, they continue. You can just continue to think about them and obsess over them in a way. It's good for me. It's good because that allows me to find their pattern, find their core area, scout them, you know, all that stuff where the negative came uh, comes in, especially this year is when I have, I got so hype about this buck that I was chasing that I got buck fever when he finally showed up. So I have to learn to disconnect 
from from that. But I love big bucks, and I cannot lie. And I know all of you guys uh, do too. And here's another awesome detailed story about uh, just a, a bow hunter out of Ohio who gets the job done on an absolute dream giant buck. So uh, good episode today. Let's go through the commercials real quick. Uh, first, I'm going to go backwards this time. Full Sneak Gear, man, fullsneakgear.com. Uh, dude, I'm, I, first off, I want to say thank you to everybody who's purchased uh, a shirt, a hat. Uh, I got uh, an awesome crew neck coming. I got a death metal inspired t-shirt coming. Um, I The Licking Branch tee is in production as we speak, and I should be shipping those out within the next week or so. So please go to fullsneakgear.com. Check out all of the, the clothing and uh, hats that I have available. I will have the Blaze Orange stocking cap here pretty soon uh, available. Uh, next on the list is Huntworth. Dude, Huntworth is... Uh, it's a good company, man. They make really, really good, high-quality products at a very affordable price. And my opinion, in my opinion, they have one of the best layering systems as well that accompany this brand. So if you're looking for a full one-stop shop you know, for layering, for having the, the right clothes and the right right weather conditions go check out huntworthgear.com and uh, go to their instagram page and make sure you're following along because they throw out discounts all the time woodman's pal just an awesome christmas gift type idea for a serious hunter or outdoorsman this machete or habitat tool however you want to look at it is durable like it, i beat the absolute piss out of it this year hacking branches and chopping grass bunches of grass and you know uh, uh, cutting down thorns for uh, trail cameras and tree stands and things like that uh, it's a made in america company it is uh, durable they've been around since the 40s and it's just a legit product that uh, i would i feel would benefit any outdoorsman so uh, woodmanspal.com code blue get that preorbital uh, scent get that rope-a-dope Go set it out in the woods, put a trail camera over top of it, and just be amazed by all of the deer that come to investigate this blue rope hanging in the middle of the woods, right? You put the preorbital scent on it, and the rest is history, man. It it just kind of takes care of itself. So if you're looking for uh, another way to get deer in front of your trail cameras, go check out uh, codebluescents.com, along with their real and synthetic deer urines as well as their scent elimination products like laundry detergent uh, sprays body soaps things like that so uh, codebluescents.com discount code nfc20 for 20 percent off vortex optics uh, i had a really good conversation with dan matthews of the nomadic outdoorsman podcast on the hunting gear podcast this this week and we talk about Vortex Optics. So go over to there, listen to us brag about that company and how badass their products are. Go to vortexoptics.com to see for yourself. Spotting scopes, range finders. We talked about the brand new Triumph HD. We talked about their new binos for kids. We talked about their range finder binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, you name it, they got it. Vortexoptics.com. Wasp archery, dude. If I could put a broadhead in all of your Christmas stockings, it would be Wasp Broadheads. Uh, Absolutely love that company. Uh, I am a huge fan of not only their fixed blades, but their their fixed blades and their mechanicals. These, they absolutely destroy anything that they touch. And I feel like if you're going to touch a deer, the very first thing that should touch a deer if you're trying to kill it is a badass broadhead and that's why I consistently and always go back to to wasp broadhead so wasp wasparchery.com discount code nfc20 for 20% off last but not least man whether you are a hardcore serious saddle hunter whether you are a tree stand hunter whether you are a hybrid that likes to do a little bit of both I'm I'm going to start a campaign where we remove safety harnesses for those who can do it. I'm not saying that, you know, you should you should 
definitely mess around with it. Make sure it's right for you. But dude, I don't even know if I'm ever going to wear a safety harness again. I'm going to wear a saddle every time now. Uh, and, and it allows me to sit down. If it, it, Let's say I am going to sit in a tree stand. It allows me to sit down. It allows me to stand up. And then it also allows me to lean back and get comfortable in, in the saddle as well. Also this year, several hunts uh, of just the platform and the saddle. And I'll tell you what, man, I like it. I like it a lot. And I'm going to continue to use a saddle from here on out. So uh, what's, what's, what are we talking about? Uh, tethered. Go to Tethered's website. Take a look at all of their saddle, saddle hunting accessories, and of course, the gigantic education platform that they have put together that allows all of you to flatten the curve when it comes to learning how to hunt out of a saddle. So those are the, the partners. Please go and investigate, research, uh, visit their websites. Take a look at them. Please support the companies that support this podcast and uh Man, that's it. Uh, we're coming in on the late season, so you're going to start hearing some late season content coming out of the the network next week. Uh, now that the I don't know the a bulk of the gun seasons are kind of coming to an end, we're getting into that late season time frame. I bought a muzzle loader. I have to sight it in. I have to do all that stuff, and um, I'm really looking forward to messing around with that learning how to do that and then obviously going out this late season and trying to put a 50 cal bullet right through the vitals of a couple target bucks that i that have showed up so good vibes in good vibes out we'll talk to you on the back end five four three two one all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the nine finger chronicles and today we have a story about a double drop tine giant and the guys that's going to tell us the story is zach johns from ohio zach man how are we doing today good how are you dan i'm doing great man uh are you still fired up after that uh, <laughs> dude i am <laughs> i mean i have let's just say this i have not had a bad day since october 22nd <laughs> <laughs> amen dude there's something about a big deer you shooting a big deer that just can change your entire life oh yeah yeah oh yeah there's like i said no bad days uh maybe a little frustration here and there but no bad days yeah that's for sure. you just kind of go back to that moment when you let the arrow go and... oh i'm living in it still <laughs> yeah absolutely okay so we got this awesome story uh we're gonna tell but before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode why don't you talk to us a little bit about where you live and what do you do for a living uh, I live in central Ohio. I live about 30 minutes, um, east of Columbus and, um, I am a union electrician by trade, but I actually recently just went into the office and now I'm a, basically an assistant project manager, um, trying out that side, which that actually helped kind of play a role in me gaining a bunch of knowledge through podcasts because ah, okay. I can listen to podcasts in the office to try and get on this deer okay so you had uh you went from having tools in your hands all day to, to being able to multitask with uh, some earphones in your ears oh yeah yeah all day awesome awesome all right um i gotta tell you something real quick i've been hunting okay seriously since uh, uh 2006 but even before then driving around uh, out in the country. I always enjoyed looking at deer. And when I was hunting before 2006, all the way up, man, I want to say like 1993, 94 is when I started. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and the entire time frame until now, I have only seen two deer in that amount of time that had drop tines. One was an eight pointer with a drop. The other one wasn't, uh, I think he was a 10 with a drop. And, yep. but they, but they weren't any, they weren't anything big. They were just like, oh, that deer's got a, 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 a double drop time. And so it's extremely yeah. rare for me. I've never seen, like, uh, I've never had a, a deer, let's even say within shooting range that had uh, a drop time, let alone two drop times. Do you, in your area and throughout your course of your hunting career, have you seen many drop time deer? 
So no, it, well, it's funny you ask that. This is not the first double drop time buck we've ever gotten on camera, but the last one we had, the first one we ever got was um, 2000. So I went to I went to Hawking College, like in Wayne National Forest. Mm -hmm. Anybody that hunts public land in Ohio, that's normally where they go. Um, so I lived just outside of there, and we had a a chunk of property there that we had a big, wide, gnarly six-pointer. And then throughout the three years that we hunted him, he eventually grew double drop tines. Okay. And then so he went. He actually went from a six to an eight to a ten with the two drop tines. And then um, then we kind of lost him. Okay. But other than that, this is the only one. And, and that six-pointer's drop tines were only, I would say, yeah. a couple inches, three inches at the max. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's, let's start this, let's start this story off in the, so that was this year. Did you have any yep. previous history of this buck from previous years? Um, I had pictures of him last year. Um, and like I said, uh, it, it, he wasn't on our radar. Um, last year I went in, I shot a buck on October 28th. Um, same spot I, I shot him and a buddy of mine told me, um, a couple of days later, cause he was hunting the same property I was. And he said, Hey man, remember that, that buck with the really tall brow tines? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, dude, I missed that buck tonight. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And it didn't hit me this year until since I was sitting at a desk. Yep. What do you do? You put pictures of your kids and deer mm -hmm. as your background on your monitor. Yep. And I found a picture I had of him from last year, but it wasn't, I didn't realize it was him. It was like three different bucks in the same area at the same time. So I put that picture up there and it just happened to like, it caught my eye because it was the next picture that came up. Yeah. And I just happened to turn and look and I was like, that's him. It was the his crazy brow tines, the picture was actually kind of like this. Looking, He was looking away. Okay. Yeah. So I could only see his brow. Well, it was kind of like this, just where I could just see the brow tines. And I was like, that's him. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much right now that, that I know of the history that I had. I don't remember ever seeing him last year on the hoof. Um, but I know my buddy did miss him last year. Okay. And so how was he the same frame, same, same brow tines, or was he just a, a, a smaller deer? The only characteristics that he still had, that he had was he had the tall brow tines, the super dark rack, mm -hmm. and he was an eight pointer last year. Okay. And that was it. So this year he grew this little crab, this little extra point here. And this one here, and then obviously the, the okay. drop tines. Yeah. And then the matching kickers on both sides. All right. So I'm gonna explain to anybody here not who's not watching this on YouTube and who's who's listening to this. It's a mainframe ten. If they yep. each each G two has a flyer. What are those? Three inch, four inch flyers? They're three three one's three and a half and one's three and three eighths or something like that so yeah and then two drops right underneath of the g3s uh and well either the g3 or the g2 that what yep. are what are they eight six six okay one is, one is six on the money and the other one's like five and uh seven eighths or something like that okay and what's the inside spread uh 19 and a half 19 and a half inches and what did he what did he gross out at uh, overall gross was 180, 184 and seven eighths. Okay. So it's a giant. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and so, yeah. all right. So you didn't really know, uh, that this deer was around. You didn't, uh, he, last year he was, he was just pretty in insignificant. All right. Yep. And yeah. you didn't connect the dots until after you shot him. Okay. Correct. So when was the first time that you did you get have any pictures of him before you shot him on trail cameras when was the first time you found out about this buck um september 8th 
was the very first picture I ever got of him. And uh, I was, you know, it's summertime. It was a Friday. I took the kids out to the play in the yard, swing on the swing set. I was drinking a beer, just kind of enjoying the evening. And my phone, I kept getting pictures on my cell camera. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of blew it off. I figured it was just the same old does or little bucks. So I just kind of like pushed the kids on the swing, being a dad, you know, playing around with them. And then finally, like, something happened. There was, like, a little break, or they wanted to get off the swings or whatever, and I kind of pulled my phone out and looked, and that was the very first picture that popped up (laughs) was him. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, like, I've never – I've had some really good deer on trail camera. Yeah. It's Ohio. I've I've had some, but I never had one that made me shake. Yeah. And it was like my heart was beating like I had just shot the deer. It was yeah. the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah. Wow. All right. And so now all of a sudden you're like, uh, okay. And yeah. I, I don't know if you're anything like me, and I hate to put words in your mouth, but every day after that, you were started to think about this deer. That's all I thought about. <laughs> I mean, I kid you not. I That is like from the very first picture I got of him to the day – that I killed him. All I thought about was how can I kill this deer? Okay. Like literally on and off and on and off. And like I lost sleep over this deer. Right. And just in the, I don't want to get too deep into it, but September 8th was the first picture I got of him. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get another picture for over a month after that. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So there was a big time span of just nothing. What if? Yeah. Yeah. Where where is he? Once you got that trail camera picture of him, did you go out and deploy more trail cameras on the property to try to get him? And how many yes. more? Um, so I had on that particular farm, I had I only had two cell cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it was all said and done, after I killed him, I think I had so this was forty eight acres, and I had I think. Six cell cameras on that property. Okay. Rolling um, the whole time, pretty much the whole time from September until after I shot him. Okay. And you said the property that you shot him on was 48 acres. Yep. Okay, 48 acres. And in the grand scheme of things, to some people, that might be a lot of, a lot of acres. To me, and I don't know where you stand, 48 acres, man... A deer can move in and out of 48 acres in in, in five minutes, okay? Yeah. And so yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about why you think this deer liked this property. Uh, and and, and from a, and describe the terrain. Like, is there a creek that runs through it? Is it hilly? Is it flat? Is there a pine stand? Break it down for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So basically, this this property is the best way to describe it is divided into thirds. In the very middle third is a big valley that comes down to a there's like a I don't know a six eight foot wide creek that runs through the whole thing. Is it crossable? Um, yes, it okay. actually runs parallel with the valley. So it actually runs through the valley instead of like having to cross it at all. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. And then, so, like, next to that creek is just a big, wide path. Like, a, 
I, I think at the widest part, it's like 40 yards, and then it narrows down to a little bit wider than a four-wheeler trail. Like, I, I could, I, I, I drove my truck back there the night I got him. Like, that's that's how wide it is. Okay. Um, <clears throat> But at the very back of this valley where it hits the neighbor's property, there's three ridges that come down. There's one that comes down right into the four-wheeler trail, and then there's two that come off the sides, um, or the the sides of the valley they come down. And then there's two there's two ridges that come off of that, and then one that comes down straight down off the center. Okay. Um, so it'd be I'm trying to get my bearings here. It'd be the south. So it's the south part of the property is basically a south facing hillside. Okay. So super thick. A lot of doe bedding there. Um, and then the other third is um, Big Valley. Part of it's a thicket, and there's like a, I don't even know what you call it. I, I call it, we call it the field. Um, it's not really, like they never really like planted anything in it like that. Basically just taller CRP. I think it's like total, it's like an acre big. Yeah. Um, and then... That's where I had my other camera too. Okay. Was out there on that top. Okay. Um but as far as him liking it, I I think he only traveled through there because I had a lot I did have a lot of doe bedding. Okay. Um because he did not bed on my property. Right. I mean, 48 acres he didn't really have a whole lot of places to bed. Right. So September 8th picture and then you don't mm-hmm. get another picture of him until when? October 15th. Okay, 15th. Which now starts to make sense, right? If yeah. you are the type of person who believes in the October lull, October 15th can be the time of year where they're starting to come out and they start to stretch their legs and they're they're going to lay sign and they're, they're expanding their core area to prepare for, you know, the pre-rut and things like that, which makes sense, right? So, yeah. Let's talk a little. So, let's talk about the access to this farm. Did you have access to this this forty eight acres through just one side from all sides? Um, no, just one side. Um, basically, right through the landowner's um, driveway. I drive right down it, and then he had some old barns um, closer to the opening of that valley, um, and then that's where I would park. And I would walk straight down that um, that uh, path to my stands. Okay. Um, and with with the access, I know a lot of people were worried about you know deer smelling you and this and that. But this this particular property was a next to a working cattle farm. Mm-hmm. So there was there's oh in in the the fence for the cattle farm literally butts all the way up to the property line and it goes partially up that valley next to the doe bedding. Okay. So there's cows in there. There's guys working in there. Um, active, the landowner is what? Active farming. Yes. Yeah. Active farming to my, it'd be my South side. And then like my landowner and his wife, <clears throat> almost every day I'd get a picture of them on my trail camera walking. Yeah. So it's not like I was worried that, mm-hmm. All oh, the deer are gonna smell boot tracks. What? No, I mean, it's it's Ohio. Everybody runs a corn pile. Yeah, I was running a corn pile on one of my cameras, and I drove right. I used to. I, I mean, I drive right to it. Yeah, yeah. So, so there he I, was used to some type of human conditioning at that point. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. And so, talk to me a little bit about how the deer moved through this property because it sounds to me i'm trying to i'm trying to visualize uh is the property like a square or a rectangle square yeah okay the south side is a south uh, a south facing hillside is that timber or uh like grass um it's timber timber okay it it drops down as you go north it drops down into the valley that runs east west Yep. Okay. And then it comes back up on the other side of the valley, and that's timber too, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So it's pretty much a big block of timber. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly what it All is. Right. So how do the, the deer 
use that property and you mentioned that it's a doe bedding area so what where's the food source for these does where do the does bed and how do they use that uh that that property um so the deer usually work off of like the does will work down from their doe bedding down into that valley um and then same thing with the deer on the the on top of the hill and on the other side it's another big valley basically it's like that's the neighbor's property but it's like basically a big w okay um and so they they just kind of come through um acorns stuff like that um it's a lot of acorn like basically just acorn flats with gotcha the doe bedding has real thick is is thick with acorns um white oaks and stuff all around it's there's some openings on top where it's not as thick that they travel around there um I've got acorns dropping into the bottom and then same with the top too. So they, and then obviously corn. Yeah. Okay. So, and so for someone who baits, do, do you, do you put bait out all year round so they know where it's at or is it just, do you use it as kind of a, a a strategy piece in how you approach hunting this property? Yeah, basically strategy. I want to get, um, like, inventory. Right. Because um, I, I know, like, yes, Ohio's a bait state, and, and, and there are big bucks that are killed over it, but, I mean, big bucks aren't dumb. Yep. The, I got pictures of him the first time at the corn, and then every other time that I got pictures of him was at night. Okay. So they're using it nocturnally. They're not, it's not something that I'm a hundred percent hunting over as much anymore. Right. Cause I knew in my heart, like there's no way I'm killing this deer over a corn pile. Cause he's just not going to come to it in the daylight. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Okay. So, and so you, you said, Hey man, I got a corn pile here. I'm going to use it for basically trail camera Intel. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, as as the at, you know, you, you get that uh, trail cam pick of him October fifteenth. How long did it take for you to go put a sit in on him once you got that trail cam pick? Um, uh, it would have been seven days. So that was a Sunday. Okay. So October fifteenth was a Sunday. I killed him the following Sunday. Okay, so the twenty second is when you killed him. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, what? What did you? So you knew this property because you've hunted it before, right? Yep. And so you got trail camera picture of him on the fifteenth. Did you have any other trail camera pictures of him after the fifteenth and before the twenty second? Yes, okay. I had him the fifteenth. 15th, 16th, 17th, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay. He disappeared Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, showed back up Saturday night into Sunday morning. Okay. Okay. And so you got a trail camera uh, picture of him on the 22nd before you shot him? Yes. That morning, it would have been like 4 in the morning, something like that. Okay. And so as you're st- all on the same trail camera picture or same trail camera or, or on multiple cameras? Two two separate ones. Okay. So you knew he's working somewhere in between these two cameras. Yes. All right. So talk to us about the strategy then at this point. What were you thinking on how you were going to attack this buck? I knew, <clears throat> first of all, I knew the one thing I knew was I had to be there the first time he daylighted Mm -hmm. that was like number one in my head and i and i literally repeated that to myself from the day i got pictures of him till the day i killed him you have to be there when he daylights Mm -hmm. because after that he he already knows that you're going to try and hunt him so you you got to be there yep so i go in um i get out of work not crazy early on friday but it was like one of those dreary, rainy days. I had some meetings, um, got those taken care of. So I literally drove straight from work to the hunting property with um, 
my mobile setup. I run XOP. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had their uh, climbing sticks and the retrograde tree stand. And I went in Friday because it was raining. And I knew I knew the direction this buck was coming from because of the, the trail camera pictures that I had gotten of him. But not every trail cam- not every time he came in did he pass by the first trail camera. Okay. But he came in <clears throat> to the second one from the same direction. Okay. So that was I, I knew I, I kinda narrowed it down to basically right there where those three ridges come down. Okay. Right at the very, very end of the valley, um, where everything started to go back up. And so I went in Friday and I hung the stand. Basically, I was, I mean, feet away from that trail camera. The, the, the first trail camera I had on my property where he was coming through. Yeah. So I go hang that, get everything set up, um, leave Friday night. Saturday was warm and I didn't have the right wind that I needed. Okay. Um, so Saturday I ended up watching, I think we were watching the Buckeye game. We had just got concrete in the barn. So we were sealing the barn floor and just doing some maintenance chores around the house. Cause I, I knew I was going to hunt Saturday morning or Sunday morning, Sunday evening. It was only going to be Saturday evening, Sunday evening, but I was like, we'll just hold off and burn two sits in one day. Saturday morning or Sunday morning comes around. I hunt. And I don't see anything. No that's, deer. Bunch of turkeys. That's that's the twenty second, right? That's the twenty second. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Sunday morning, twenty second. All right. Continue. Yeah. So, as I'm sitting in my stand, I I could not help but like have this like. I don't even want to say it was like a gut feeling. It was like a gut punch almost. Like something like just was like, dude, you have got to move. So I was like, I'm I'm sitting there in the stand and I'm looking around and I was like, you know, he's there's one of two places he's accessing, and if you're if he accesses from the ridge you're on now, if you slide back down the hill 50 yards, you will be able to still get a shot at him on this ridge, but you will also be able to shoot down into the bottom on your left. So I like had that internal battle all morning, and I kind of like. Before I left, kind of like talk myself out of it. I was like, "No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna leave it here." So, I I leave for the morning, come back home, same thing the whole morning. That like the whole time I'm at home, I'm just like thinking, like, dude, you have got to move. You cannot stay where you're at. So, I kind of buttered the wife up, got some brownie points because I knew I was like, I need to get back in there basically as soon as I can so that I can move that whole setup 50 yards down the hill and be able to shoot both spots if I need to. Did you, did, did you tear down your set when you left or did when, okay, you didn't. No, so, it was so, still there. So you had to still go into that set, tear it down and then move it. 50 yards. 50 and yards. Then yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. All right. Before we go to the next part here, What's the hunting pressure like on the surrounding properties? Um, until after I killed him, I didn't realize that the backside of the property is a lease. Okay. Um, the only reason I know that is because one of the guy's buddies who hunts there sent me trail camera pictures of him. Okay. Um, I should have known that prior to when I first started getting trail camera pictures of him. And then all of a sudden no trespassing signs that I've never seen before started showing up. I should have known something was up this year. This is the first year I've ever seen them. Yes. Right. No, I get that. But, but all of the, like the no trespassing signs on, on that fence line started to pop up. Yeah. 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 I'd never seen them before prior to, and I've been all over this property, like all over it. Yeah. Never seen them before until this year. Yeah. So, um, and I know like the, on the South side, um, in the back, very back corner of that cattle field is like a, 
busted up old shooting house. Mm-hmm. I mean, people still hunt out of it, but I think they just gun hunt. I think the neighbors gun hunt too. Right. So I, I am realistically the only one that I th- that I know of that bow hunts at least my side of the fence. Gotcha. And then the neighbor, obviously, the backside. Apparently, they bow hunt too, but like I said, it's it's a lease. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've you've explained this valley uh, scenario, and it go it it coming to an end and starting to go up. We're all like up these ridges, these three different ridges. Yeah. So my experience tells me that the wind in there can be real iffy. Uh, do you have problems with consistent winds on that property? Yes. Um, except for where I hunted at. Okay. Um, the, the wind that I needed was a Northwest wind and that put me in a perfect position because the, 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 so the South side of it it kind of right at the very end of that ridge right before they go up it kind of opens up real big so there's no real like topography that's blocking the wind Mm -hmm. it's more when you get past me and heading back towards like where i park is where that valley kind of starts to shrink in and starts to really manipulate your wind in there okay all right so so you were able to find a area where the wind was doing what you needed it to do and, and correct stay, yeah. stay that way. Yep. Okay. And then, um, another thing that I noticed too, like, um, one thing I pulled from trail camera data was the wind. Well, not really so much trail camera data, but I, the pictures that I did get at him, I would go back through and look at the wind direction and notice that even with the Northwest wind, he was throwing caution to the wind in that specific valley because he was comfortable there. Yeah. So he wasn't, he was coming in upwind of everything. So I knew if I could get in there, if I could get that Northwest wind that I needed, I could get in there and pretty much be bulletproof until he got behind me. Gotcha. And by then then, he's already walked through a shooting lane. I take it. Oh yeah. Several, several. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. So, the brownie points, did they work? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, oh, yeah. Diamond earrings, what did you have to do? What did you have yeah, to do just, in order to get her to go, to let you go? Took care of the three kids. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I uh, I got three little kids ranging from five to, will be two in February, or March, I'm sorry. Okay. So I got, I got little kids, and kind of like you this year, like, I didn't want to burn up too much time especially when I didn't get trail camera pictures of him. So right. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to hurt my chances of later on getting a no um, if I didn't shoot him as early as I did. Right. Okay. All right. So the brownie points work and now it's time to head back into the property and hunt on, on that evening. Walk us through uh, how that tear down and, and, and setting back up went. Um. So a lot noisier than I expected. Um, a lot of cussing, <laughs> but same thing. Like I, I kind of went back to the. I wasn't as worried about it because I knew he wasn't betting on me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about kicking him out of his bed because he wasn't there. Right. I was more or less going off of the the just the temperature. You know, it was starting to cool down. It was higher pressure, so I. As far as going in and moving everything, it was it wasn't a long process because I I've been doing it for a minute, so I kind of kind of know how to do it. But it wasn't quiet, that's for sure. Gotcha. Um, but I was able to get in there, move everything, climb up. I think I was I went in, picked my tree, dropped my bow, my backpack, and all the camera gear off at the tree. Went, pulled the whole set, brought it back, hung it. I think. I was up ready to go from the time I got to the base of the first tree tore down and back up was, was an hour and I was fully ready to hunt arrow knocked camera set up, ready to go. Gotcha. Camera even, huh? Yeah, I did. I did film the, I did film it. Okay. Jesus. Um, (laughs) so 
you're set, you're ready to rock and roll. What what time were you completely set up at? Um, I think I was set up by 4.30. Oh. Like pretty much 4.30 on the dot. Okay. I guess that time of year there's still a lot of light left, but still seems fairly late. Were you planning it, on getting in there earlier? Did I say 4th? Said- yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. So all the loud stuff was done. Like I was ready, yeah, pretty much ready to go by four thirty. Yeah, okay. And I didn't, I wasn't worried about it because then deer, like the deer that I have there, they usually move like eight about four thirty. That's why I wanted to be set up by four thirty. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Because I knew I'd probably have deer start moving through there. How far were you from this corn pile that you had in front of that trail camera? Uh, I would say hundred and fifty yards. Okay. And did you throw? So, oh, did you throw out any additional corn? in front of you no okay nope all right nope all right and so what did you start i mean walk us through the rest of the night i mean did you start to see deer right away uh yeah i think i seen the first deer actually it was i was paralleling the 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 trail in the valley so i was basically right along with it with my back to like where the corn pile would be yep so I didn't actually see the first deer until I got pictures of it on my app. Okay. And I kind of just like looked back and I mean, like I said, it was 150 yards. It was a ways away. So I couldn't, I could, I could make out some feet and stuff. Um, and then I had a couple other does mill through and then right at about 625, I, I heard something to my right, and um, so I, when I turned and looked, I seen. So it's obviously it's the 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 valley hillside's coming down, and I see this kind of just a a deer walking, and it kind of drops down just a little little hole, pops back up, and it was a doe. So she makes her way to my right about 15 yards and kind of mills off right down behind me. Um, and while she was walking by me, I heard something like in front of me to the left, which is that right there where all three ridges come down. Um, so I kind of turned my attention from her to whatever's walking at that, where the three ridges connect together. And, uh, I kind of look and I see a pair of legs. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And something about it, like, like I, I seen a deer, and I was like, I might as well record it, you know, if it's a deer walking by, because all the other deer kind of milled off. Like, by the time I seen the time I seen them, or by the time they walked by me, like it was like last minute, and I didn't want to move move the camera around. So I was like, well, this is the first deer that's really gonna walk by in range. The, the doe that did walk by, I filmed her with my phone, but that wasn't with the camera. So I grabbed the camera and I pull it over in front of me and I reach down and I turn it on, but I don't hit record yet. And then at the same time, I reach up and grab my bow and I kind of like got it against my chest. Like I'm not, I'm not expecting to see this at all. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, a pair of legs pop out and... I'm watching some more, and then I see, like, a glint of antler. But where he came out of was kind of like, at this point, he was probably, when I first seen him, he was probably 50 yards, roughly. So I didn't really get to see, like, all I seen was just a glint of horn. And so it's like, pretty thick but down in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, uh, okay, you know, it's probably just a small buck. And as he, and from that point on, he never breaks stride walking until right before I shot him. So he kind of just slowly makes his way through, and he starts breaking through the – so now he's in the bottom, like that bottom lane. Mm-hmm. So he starts breaking through all the trees that I'm – there. that's got the leaves. I'm starting to see more and more of him. And I was like, oh, that's a nice deer. But I still didn't know exactly what deer it was. So I pull up my binos, and I literally, all I did was bounce them off my face because I knew, (laughs) 
I seen. So he was walking. So to put it from your like your view, he was walking this way, and all I seen was this side. I didn't see the the kicker. I didn't see the drop. Nothing. All I seen was just these times, and I was like. I literally said it, and I, you could probably hear it on the video. Well, I didn't start recording to, yet, but I literally, my binos bounced off my face, and I said, that's fucking him. <laughs> and I just, like, I don't remember putting my binos back in my harness. Like, I just, like, for all I know, I dropped them, and they just went slid back back in. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. As soon as I seen that side the camera was already on. My bow was in my hand. All I did was reach down and hit the record button. And that was it. Yeah. So now he's getting closer. Now he's 30 yards, 25 yards. And about 25 yards, he's getting ready to step into my shooting lane. So his head's behind a big tree. I draw back. I've got my pen just settled in the middle of this this it's probably i don't know a 10 yard gap in between trees straight down to this valley so i've got my bow drawn i'm at full draw pin is literally just floating in the center of this this 10 yard gap of trees and i'm waiting and waiting and finally like i said he never breaks stride he gets there and as soon as he gets into my shooting lane he stops no man no nothing so my pin literally goes my pin when by the time he stopped my pin was about three foot off of him so it literally just like a magnet just straight over and like like i don't even know that i stopped it It just went over and boom dead stop right on the vitals let the arrow go it comes in i'm watching it fly the whole way hits him perfectly about a quarter of an inch above the center of the heart Big mule kick does that, like that death groan. Yep, yep. Runs or takes a couple steps forward. And it when it went in, it buried and kind of, it hit, it clipped the offside shoulder, but it kind of came out right at his armpit. Um, And he was down on his, um, like kind of like forward running a little bit. And he turned, ran up the hill, and then as he kind of he kind of started to veer off to the right, and then I heard what I thought was a crash, but I was like, well, it's either he crashed or he just kicked every single deer off his property. Yeah. So, and that's, he ended up, he ran a total of 50 yards and piled up. Oh, my God. All right, dude. And so, at this point, you're thinking it's just like a 10-pointer, right? Like just, no, I knew I knew who he was. But you didn't know he had the junk on him yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, okay. The drop times and stuff, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. Yes, yeah. All right, so there was a time, though, where you said, I, I saw something through the, the bush. I saw his one side. I couldn't see the kicker, and I couldn't see the drop, but all I could see was the other side. And then yeah, when he stepped I, out into the opening, it was like, oh, shit. He's... Yeah. So yeah, as soon as I as soon as I hit my binos to my face, I was like, "That's when I knew like that's him. like I knew it was him right away." Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. But, I got gotcha. you. You didn't. You just you realized who it was comparing what you saw to the trail camera pictures. Yes. I got gotcha. Yes. Okay. I, yeah, because that was the first time I had ever laid eyes on him. Gotcha. I've never. So yes, as soon as I my binos hit my face, I said. That's fucking him. And then, Uh, and then, and then autopilot went from there. Right. All right. So it just like, like it, it couldn't have been any more perfect for him to stop, you know? It it was, it was, yes, absolutely perfect. And I thought I, until I look back at the video, cause I mean, I just went black, like, like my whole, everything just faded. I thought I shot him walking until I watched the video back yeah. and realized that he had actually stopped. Yeah. So like, like you said, like perfect, like everything that whole day had gone perfect. Yeah. Like that is everything that happened 
getting the trail camera pictures of him or him showing up, moving the stand, having him come in the first time. Like it was everything that I had planned for. Yeah. yeah. Literally everything was perfect. Right. Wow. All right. So then you get the, you know, you, you let the arrow go and you knew it's a good shot, right? Like yes. for those of us who've killed deer before, just like my buck, I, I watched where it went into his body this year. Like, well, both bucks, really. You have that initial reaction. You go, oh, he's going to live. Like, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't kill him. And then the next one I shot this year was like dead. Just like oh. before he even is off the ground, I saw my fletchings disappear in his lungs and I said dead. Right. Yeah. And so when you saw that arrow go through or hit him right where it was supposed to go, what was the first thing that popped into you, into your head? Uh, I, I knew he was dead. Yeah. I I knew 100% that I had killed the biggest buck of my life. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. And then did, do you get cell phone reception down in that valley? Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Who was your first call? My, my wife and kids. I actually FaceTimed them. Yeah. Um, they were sitting on the couch and... Um, actually at this point I had a second angle camera that I didn't turn on initially when I, when he was coming in. Mm -hmm. So at this point I turn around and I turn the second angle on and you can see it. I'm talking to my wife, telling her what's going on. The kids are right there. I'm, I'm freaking out. And then I hear, um, my daughter say, daddy, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> And that was like, in 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 the moment, like I I, I said thank you and, and and everything. I was so excited, but it didn't hit me till after the fact. And I watched the video back, and I kind of like broke down. Like oh, that was yeah. like that culmination of, I just killed the biggest buck of my life. I killed a a buck of a lifetime, and then to have my oldest daughter tell me that she's proud of me, that was like icing on the cake. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome, man. That that's got to be yeah. a good feeling. All right. It was. And it so was. how long did you wait until you went to go look for him? Um, I would say uh, 15 minutes. And the only reason I say that is because after I FaceTimed the wife and kids, my dad um, had been like, I, I got him permission to hunt this property. Um, they live in Tennessee. He was going to start hunting Ohio with me again this year. And, uh, so he is, he's getting all the same trail camera pictures I am of this deer. And so I called him, I FaceTimed him and then, um, he's like, did you get it on film? And I was like, yes. He's like, let me see it. Cause he wanted to see, like, it was kind of like that double check. Like right. I, I, I knew I made a good shot, but I, then after you make a good shot, like, you know, the doubt starts creeping like, yeah. uh, I, I don't know. So he watched it back, um, with me through FaceTime and uh so like I said about 15 minutes and it was it was light enough to where I could get down and follow the blood all the way to him but by the time I got to him it was it was dark yeah it was getting like it was just about dark gotcha gotcha yeah and so you put your hands on him for the first time and <laughs> you're now you have this confirmation that he's yeah. dead and he's not going anywhere what, what what was it going through your mind at that point it was just it was like, unreal yeah like it, i'm just a dude from ohio i don't i just like to hunt you know what i mean i never yeah. never in my life thought i would kill a a deer that was over 180 inches never did i think i was going to kill a deer with a double drop time mm -hmm. like it was just kind of like one of those like in magical moments, just like, yeah. Like, like in your video, like, mm. like your story, like when you, when you broke down a little, like when you broke down in that video, like I had FaceTimed my wife when I found him mm -hmm. and I broke down on her mm -hmm. more or less like a thank you to her for everything that she's done to let me go out there and chase this dude. And, and it was just kind of like a, like a surreal moment. Yeah. It was, it was, it was magical. That's for sure. Yeah. So, up until then, what was the biggest buck you've ever shot? 
one actually i just looked it up today 131 and five eighths that and that was the biggest buck you've ever shot up until this yep. boy right and so yep. i've been there man i know exactly how you're feeling like uh you know you see these pictures of these deer and all these people are shooting and you're like ah that's never gonna mm-hmm. happen to me it's never gonna happen to me and then in steps this and every, I, I talk about this buck all the time that shipwreck story Yes. Where it's a world-class deer, and I had the opportunity to chase him for several years. And um, and so, uh, I, you know, I, you don't ever think it's going to happen. And then one day, you get a picture, and then you have the opportunity to chase these things. In this short mm-hmm. period of time, right? I mean, because really, you look at it, you shot him on the 22nd. The first time that you saw him was... or. Th- you know, that year was the trail camera picture. So you knew he was around on the eighth in that short period of time. Did you look like, what did this buck teach you? If anything, um, more or less, he taught me like more, like to scout more hunt less. And that's, that's pretty much what I did. Um, you know, like I, like I talked about earlier, like I was, so in like just i just completely immerse myself in podcasts yeah i mean yours and i would type in justin hollandsworth name ryan glitzky's name heath cisco's name the dequistos like anybody who was kind of killing big deer but doing it on a mobile set like in a mobile setup that's kind of what i knew i was going to end up having to do yeah. So I went in, um, like in inside that time from sep- September eighth to the fifteenth, I actually took one morning and scouted, and ended up putting out the last. So it had been I would have made it five trail cameras total. So the last two that I put up, the very last trail camera I put out, was the one that got the very first pictures of him when he came back. Okay. Okay. And I almost didn't put it there, but I found fresh rubs. Like, I mean, like fresh, fresh rubs. And I was like, I mean, I've got it, might as well. What's, right. it, what's it gonna soak for a couple of days and I and I put it back or move it somewhere else? Yeah. Um. So that, that scout more hunt less thing, like I put, a, like I've already walked that 48 acres a, a million times, but like, I was kind of like in that mindset, like what's a million and one, what's a million and two? Like, right. what? you're gonna you're running into little things here and there that 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 you're learning now about this property and about the way the deer move yeah wow and and so the anything can happen right i mean exactly a buck who is just what 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 do you think this buck scored last year one I wouldn't even say 130. So he straight up blew up. Blew up. Blew I kid up. you not. And I'll send you the pictures of him too. And from last year, he literally, like I said, was not even on my radar last year. And I killed a two and a half year old buck last year. Yeah. And this deer wasn't on my radar. Yeah. So. Do you think I, this buck is a three year old? Yes. hundred percent. Wow. I think he's. Three to three and a half, yes. Yeah. So you got a you got a 185-inch three-year-old, which yeah. from any uh, – I'm not passing that three-year-old anywhere, no. Oh, no. anywhere yeah, in the United States, right? And so, yeah. and so that is absolutely crazy. Number one, the genetics that this buck has to get to 185 as a three-year-old and yep. – and the fact that he has the nutrition and he was able to survive hunting seasons and predators and still grow that much given, yeah. I, I don't know what last summer, not, well, this summer was Ohio in any kind of a drought this summer. Yeah, oh yeah. 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 We, so, I mean, we were basically the same thing as the rest of the Midwest. We had a big drought this year. And so given all of that, he still blows up, you know, 50, 50 plus inches. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's it's insane. Well, dude, congratulations on an absolutely gigantic deer. If you want to see picture or if you want to see this deer, 
um, go to the YouTube channel. He showed it off for us, but uh, it's uh, it's yep. definitely a specimen. What did you say his inside uh, inside spread was again? Inside was nineteen and a half. Nineteen and a half. Okay. All right. Yep. Let me bump you back just a touch. I got apparently it's too close. That way you kind of see the whole thing. Yeah. Those brow tines, man. That that's uh, just a beautiful deer. Eight and three quarter nine, and this one's like just shy of eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous buck. Congratulations, man. Uh, how many tags do you get in Ohio? One buck tag. One buck tag. Well. One hell of a yeah. buck to put that tag on, man. So congr- yeah, no congratulations. Uh, good luck. Whatever else you're going to do this year. And Are you going to any other states? No. No, you're no, done. I'm trying to doe tags, and that's it. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations again, man. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and BS with us. Tell us this awesome story. Not a problem. Thanks, Dan. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We are closing down today's episode by sending a big thank you to Tethered, Wasp, Vortex, Code Blue, Woodman's Pal, Huntworth, and Full Sneak Gear. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who has taken time out of your day to continuously listen to the Nine Finger Chronicles. Um, I'm very happy with how this podcast turns out every week, the people that I talk to, uh, the quality of it. So if you like the Nine Finger Chronicles, please Go leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Share it with your friends. Talk to your friends about it. Spread the good word about old Nine Fingers. And, uh, man, good vibes, man. So good vibes in, good vibes out. And if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.